I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Redmen TV brought to you by Odds Checker, your one-stop betting club. Hello, everyone. It is the Redmen TV podcast. We are on the countdown to the season kickoff. Thanks so much to Odds Checker uh, for sponsoring the show. If you want to get involved with Odds Checker, you can. It is a fantastic app. It basically correlates all the best odds across all of the major uh, bookies. And now, through the Odds Checker app, you can basically bet straight through it. So you don't have to go off. You don't have to find those odds and then go off elsewhere to go and get the best one. You can go directly through the app. Now, there's a link in the description underneath. Uh, and do make sure you obviously have to be 18 plus to get involved with all of that and please if you do gamble please gamble responsibly and be gamble aware as well um, but the topic that spins out of this that I want to kick everything off with um, we've, got, we've got the Sacrage but uh, ostensibly in betting terms it's the uh, who's the first manager to leave his post who do we think is go in fact actually quick question who do we think is the manager least likely to be the first manager to leave his post Chris Klopp. Jürgen Klopp, congratulations. 100 to 1 is the least likely manager to be the first to, to lead. Um, who do we reckon then, who, uh, without necessarily not playing the guessing game of who it actually is, but who do we think is going to be the first manager to go, Sam Walker? David Moyes. Correct answer for Sam. Also the correct answer. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit of a struggle for old Moise, isn't it? There's a few very interesting names in around it. In fact, the two fa- the two favourites um, are, are ones that we've got a heavy connection to. Dad, who, who would you who do you reckon it's going to be? I mean, obviously Moise is the favourite for a reason. West Ham are in a bit of trouble and what have you. But is there anyone that you'd maybe think might be a you know a, a Frank Lampard? I, I, yeah. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I said this That's last. A lot season. of money if they're not in the top five. Ooh. Yeah, true that Christmas was... could be in trouble. Big, big pressure on all. Chelsea fat, have a lovely habit of sacking managers. I, I wonder, this is the thing, isn't it? That is, there's a number of clubs there. I don't think, for example, like Arteta's in any trouble in any way, shape, or form, and it's reflected by the fact that he's the second least favourite. Yeah, Looks like whatever, there's a better you get, way. You get someone like Scott Parker who's coming up with Fulham, and you think, well, we, they're, they're going to be in trouble. But I think that they're not that kind of a club. You know they're likely to stick with him. Yeah. You know, I think um, um, Roy Hodgson might have a few problems. 
Roy Hodgson is the set is the second favourite at the moment, thirteen to two at time of time of recording. And 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 I mean, Chris, there's no love lost amongst Liverpool fans for for Roy Hodgson, of course. But he's done it. He's done a reasonable job at Crystal Palace. But there's always a a thing with I think with football clubs where you, it starts to get a bit stagnant or or fans maybe just start to set their eyes on something a little bit different I don't know I, I'm not sure signing like a lad from QPR is necessarily going to be the thing that kicks Palace on on the notch this year no well I think yeah I think I think you're right there and I think like the thing with Roy is that you're going to get what you're going to get from Roy Hodgson no and um, I think you've got to you've got to you've got to remember like I remember Stoke, for example, and Tony Pulis. Like, they just got bored of finishing in the same position every year and decided we can go for something more. What happened to them? Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and the Crystal Palace learn from that or do they just stick with it? But at some point, what's the point of being a football club if you're just not going to do anything? Mm-hmm. Like, are you going to ever strive to be better than you are? Because look, we've had, we've laughed at Everton over the years from the money that they've spent and all that type of stuff. They're at least trying to be better. They're yeah. trying to break into Europe. Yes, you roll the dice and it fails. So what? It's better than not trying. And, and I think yeah. that's maybe what you could argue Crystal Palace are doing right now. Yeah, just I mean, happy to exist, not getting relegated, and not and not doing anything. There's a, what a sad, pathetic little world they're living in. You know what I mean? I yeah, I yeah. Okay, wow. Um, Sam, there's um, I mean, there's, it's tough, isn't it? I mean, just just <laughs> to get, I don't, just to pull this one back from the brink. <laughs> um, like Crystal Palace. I mean, I think the Stoke analogy is, is is quite an apt one. I mean, this is the problem: is that is there's some clubs I think it's it's a worthwhile endeavour going for it. It's interesting actually that Ancelotti, Carlo Ancelotti, and and, and Brendan Rodgers are both for twenty five to one, and and I, and I think it's interesting that we're both are in that kind of awkward position where there's Brendan Rodgers. But has built up expectation on himself after having such a well a good season till it all kind of started to fall apart. And Ancelotti is at Everton, who are another club that will, if they have six bad months, they'll struggle to not to turn on themselves. You know, there's a few clubs like that, and I think I mean that says as well. I think Frank Lampard at Chelsea is another one that probably falls into that category, albeit he's actually at 33. <coughs> yeah, I mean, you don't really sack Ancelotti, do you? He's like an Italian gangster, but he is like the OG of all football managers, isn't he? Look at his trophies. If Everton sack Ancelotti, in fact, it would be the most Everton thing to do in the world, wouldn't it? Lose four games out of, say, eight and sack him and it's all chaos again. Bring Rhino in again. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> he's just like, I just can't see him being sacked because of his, his status as a manager. He'll be given the maximum time possible. To he might walk. He might walk. Yeah, that, that, that's, the, that's the kind of the alternative, isn't it, John? So he, he, he may walk if it's not working out. But for what he's doing, he seems to be at the beginning of it. And, and I've got to be honest, there's, there's things in Everton that were quite good last year, and I'm sure we could go on that for hours. But in terms of managers, I agree with, with Chris a little bit, with Hodgson. What they've got to start doing is, is start taking like the FA Cup and League Cup seriously because what's the point of existing in between 10th and 14th every season? And then you're going to lose Zaha at some point. If you're not going to at least, you know, push at something. So, yeah. but with Eddie House sitting there, I, I think there could be some legs in that actually. There's one that's mad here, and, I, and, and it's not necessarily something you'd go for, but Bielsa's a 20 to 1. Like, I can't, I, I, I thought he he's surely golden. Like, I, I mean, I know this is like not like to get sacked, this is, this is to leave post. So it could be like he just decides he's, it's not for him or whatever. But like, that's. That seems. I can understand like Billich being down there, and because because 
because West Brom have got this habit of just doing mad things when they get up to the Premier League. But yeah, Bielsa's a mad one. Go on, Chris. I was speaking to Joe from um, All Leeds TV this morning. Like that'll be out on the on the YouTube channel later on in the week and stuff. And it, for him, he was ve- they were very much thinking of um, Bielsa in the same way that we think of Klopp. Like if he signs someone, it doesn't matter if the fellas from two divisions below. Yeah. If Bielsa said yes, then they're fine. So I don't think the fan base are going to turn on them anytime soon. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it's like it's it's very similar to us winning the league, isn't it? You know, it, it, they've waited so long to get back in the Premier League. They he's a god to them for yeah. getting them back in the Premier League. Now, the, if Bielsa goes, he goes somewhere bigger. But I think he probably wants one season in the Premier League, a, mm. a full season. And you know, if he stays up, maybe he leaves at the end of the season. I'd be shocked if Bielsa went. But then I'm terrible at these predictions. Yeah. Um, like I think I think Frank Lampard's golden and, and isn't gonna get sacked this season, which guarantees that he'll be sacked by Christmas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. It is. And again, we don't know. Clubs change, don't they? And, and attitudes change. And you might, if Everton can't do it with Ancelotti, they can't do it with anyone. It's just that they're, not, they're never. So there's, there's a case that which they might just have. They will stick with him probably more than they would have done any other previous manager. And and the lamp, the lamp, I think Lampard and Solskjaer fall into the same category. It's telling about 33s. Is that I think I think a bad run, which is possible, and people will think it's impossible because Man United have got this really like really positive mentality all of a sudden because they ended the season really strongly, and Chelsea have bought everyone. So like by common logic, that means they're sound. And I think that's dangerous because I don't think either side is the finished article, and and neither manager is the is 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 in the the true top sort of bracket of managers. Now, if they do it at those clubs, they will be, but right now they're not. So they're an unknown. They're they're the unknown factor as much as much as anything else. And if they have a little sticky patch, which when the games are coming thick and fast will happen, if they don't get their system up to speed, they don't get their tactics up to speed, they don't have a backup plan to fall back on if things do hit the hit the, hit the tiles. They might, they're the ones I think will be in trouble. And maybe it's just because I want them to be. <laughs> just would like them to be. Champions League as well, Paul. If they get tough groups, that could affect it as well because they're going to be lower post than us, aren't they? <clears throat> Absolutely. Okay, Sam. Well, yeah, you can get involved with the uh, odds checker app. Yeah, it, it, the, the way it's been described to me is very much like Deliveroo for betting. So yeah, it, it, it aggregates all of the best uh, odds you can get across all of the major bookmakers. So if you go and you download the app, uh, then yeah, you can pick and choose what you want from that. Uh, yes, as I say, once again, please make sure that you're 18 plus. Don't, please don't gamble. If you're not a gambler, don't gamble. Don't feel obliged to gamble because we're putting this on this show in any way, shape or form. Just don't do it. But if you are the kind of person who does that thing already, then do consider using it through the Odds Checker app. Use our link, uh, which will be in the description. Uh, and yes, do get involved ahead of the new season. Right, we're going to be discussing some uh, some more specific Liverpool topics. There's three. I want to do the Swiss Ramble uh, finances thread. Uh, we're going to talk about the last pre-season game, which is the 7-2 spanking of Blackpool, and just whether we're looking forward to the season in general, just to start to get the juices flowing as we're on the countdown to the, to the kick-off of the new season and all that. Uh, so look, let's, let's dive in with our first topic. Um, as everyone read the Swiss Ramble report on Liverpool's finances um, Dad I'll come to you first on this you know without having to to, to, to pour over you know the, the, the minutiae of it it told us what I think we all kind of knew and a lot of what the rumblings about Liverpool have been for a number of seasons the football <laughs> club is set up to be a self-sustaining entity um, and it, I think it explained, and largely what it did was it kind of put that in, okay, slightly wordy terms, but I think it, it explained that quite clearly how Liverpool's model works. It basically means that we don't have any money. <laughs> 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 I 
when everything when all said and done, when they've just settled on everything, we deal with loads and loads of cash. Well, loads and loads of money, but we actually don't have any cash when it comes to the end, um, the way the accounts work and all the rest of it. And what we've got is a very soundly run club uh, with owners who are not going to break that mould. So anyone expecting us to jump in to buy hundred million pound players anytime soon, you know, is going to have to accept that we're not going to do that unless we sell someone. Yeah, I mean, we've we've survived basically on selling Suarez, Coutinho. And Sterling for the last yeah. few years, yeah. who brought in shed loads of money, and that's that, that. This is the interesting thing, and and this is the this is almost the problem, Sam, isn't it? it was because of coronavirus, and I have to. It's tough because I think there's a there's a there's an there's a potential answer for every one of these things. We're just unplugging what other football clubs are doing for a moment. You know, Liverpool are hinged on on continue on continuing what they're doing. I think the coronavirus stuff probably impacts Liverpool's model as as much, if not more, than most. Because I think we are, I think we are, I think we're sell to buy. And I don't mean that in a dirty way that Liverpool were 10 years ago when we had to sell our, our best player every few years just to few. Like, we had to sell Suarez, we had to sell Sterling because it was just the nature of what it is. Liverpool are making a very good fist of selling a bunch of other lads for really good money. But that's if that market, that market hasn't emerged this summer. Which I think is the big telling, the telling point at the moment. Yeah, and it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, it reminds me of Chelsea after they went initially came in and blitzed everybody out of the water, and then FFP came in. They actually conformed, and they have done until now, really. And they've basically used their young, their youth system and loan system to rank up value, back up value in the players and sell them, and then buy bigger talent for the first team. And that's kind of been what they've been doing un- until now. So basically, I think there's a little bit of that attached to what we're doing, but. I think one thing the Swiss Ramble did is clear up what our accounts looked like from last year. But what it doesn't do is explain what we would have done if fans were allowed in the stadium to come into this year because it doesn't really talk about this year as such. Yeah. So how would we have afforded the team over in it based on that money anyway? And also, you know, if we're the only team doing it this way, then fair enough. But I probably suggest we aren't. There's probably other teams in the Premier League that are trying to run a tight ship as well. And then... Um, also, from that, I think um, if they're out buying players at decent prices, it also doesn't tell us why we're not and they are. So although it clears a lot of things up from our perspective, the comparisons are always still going to be there for fans. Well, that's fine on what we're doing, but why is everybody else in the whole league, 19 teams, still able to find some money somewhere to improve their squad? And I think that's where there's still a little bit of grey cloud amongst some fans at the moment. I, I think it's really interesting all of this and you know first off if you've read the Swiss Ramble thing and I highly recommend that you do anyone watching this live or after the fact because um, it will explain a lot and, and really well after you get your head back together and pick it up off the floor trying to work out what it all means um, one thing I think that we kind of forgotten about the FSG model is that you're supposed to sell high and we've not done that if you go back eight nine years when FSG took over 10 years, whatever it was, you know, you buy young and you sell high. You know, so, you know, that might have been in the past, 
sell Salah at age 29-30 for £150 million to Real Madrid. We're victims of our own success here. And we're also in a mad world in that you now can't sell Salah high. You can't sell Firmino high. You can't sell these lads high because you're at the top of the fucking tree. Yeah. You know, and you're the best team in the world. Why would they want to go anywhere else? You know what yeah. I mean? And does, and does Real Madrid have the money to be able to do this anyway? And to continue, sorry, Paul, to continue to be at the top of the Premier League and win the Premier League, which is what we're now doing. In, you can't afford to lose your best players, yeah. not without having lads in there as well. So it, it it's just a really, really strange time at the moment. It's a difficult. This is like the difficult second, third album, whatever you want to call it, Dad. Where we've we, we've we yeah we've sold to buy or we've sold big players to fund the whole endeavor we've gotten there. And Liverpool, you can see it. Where's Liverpool's money go? Liverpool's money goes on wages. And you know, I mean, Paul Tompkins has been banging this drum for years and years and years. Don't look at transfer fees. Look at your wage budget. The team with the biggest wage budget more often than not wins the league. And Liverpool are right right up there all of a sudden because that's what. What their mission has become it's it's to make sure that they keep the good lads which is kind of what Chris is saying you've got to you don't you've got to to win at the top and to win in our way you've got to keep those lads together for as long as for as long as possible so it's not sexy but that's the biggest answer to where the money's gone yeah I mean the one ride to that of course is that if you get someone like Chelsea currently they they're reportedly going to pay 300 grand a week to have it now that's going to bump your wage bill up and make it look like you should be winning the title, yes. but it doesn't guarantee that you will win sure. the title. It, it's it's a it's not as quite as simple as well. That. Manchester United are the best example of this because they pay they were paying Sanchez what half a million a week or whatever, and they're paying David de Gea three hundred and something odd grand. You're right. You've got to you still got to spend the money wisely, but yeah. they, but they they could take that total wage wage budget and apportion it better and have a better. And if you know, they, you've got to, it's, it's not one thing. I guess is is the point. Is See, what, you've still what, got to have smart recruitment. What strikes me about the whole thing is that if you look at the whole picture. They're increasing revenue by building the main stand, probably by building the Anfield Road stand. They're investing in the academy. They're improving their um, merchandising all the time, increasing the amount of money they bring in. They're getting better and better TV deals because of how successful we are. I mean, the club are really very good at generating income, aren't they? Mm -hmm. uh, but as you say, what they do with it is spend it on wages so that we've got the best players. Yeah. The the trick, of course, is to maintain that because our players are not, you know, this the best side of twenty six, are they? You know. Yeah. So where's the next Salah and Mane coming from? Yeah, unless Sam. you're spending money on them, you know, unless that academy is going to be absolutely wizzo. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know what's interesting, John? You're absolutely spot on. I think we're in new territory, though, as 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 Chris mentioned before. And I think it did take FSG a little while to adjust to what the Premier League was and, and how English football existed and, and to get it right, to get everyone's in position, to get Klopp in. And now we've got everyone together and we're driving towards the right thing. But I think one thing we're not used to as a club, which Chris alluded to a little bit, is being at the top. And I think when you're at the top, you've got to behave like you're at the top and to sustain that 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 level. So I think it's all good having this massive infrastructure in place to keep us as a self-funding club. But Arsenal have had that for years. You know, Spurs have got that now with the stadium, with their amazing training ground. That's all there. So they've, there's, there's evidence of teams having that and not succeeding. What we don't want to do now, we've got to be careful of, and I'm not, I'm not criticising, I'm just being sort of, just putting a statement out there, is that 
we don't want to get it wrong now and then fall behind again. And then suddenly we've got to rebuild from a brand new team and then learn from those lessons when we're at the top because we don't know when that opportunity could come again with the financial superpowers. Yeah, and that's my but that's the thing about this is that the, the next stage is has to be meticulously planned. I don't think you can be, and particularly because of the change in landscape, I don't think we can afford to be speculative. Now you look, you could look, you could go out and Liverpool could go out and get it, do what some clubs done, get a big loan. They could do, and if they choose to do that, they, they, then they choose to do that. I, I, I personally look, whatever they're doing, I, I've got enough trust in what they're doing because they've delivered some things that haven't been delivered upon before and you know this is the most successful Liverpool side I've I've been a proper fan of in my in my you know in my lifetime growing up and understanding the football that I was watching but it, it, it can't just be and particularly now I don't think they can afford to gamble in the same way that they have done it might be the it, it might we might be best placed to take a gamble but really when you look at what Liverpool need to improve that score and this is why the, 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 by the way this is why I think the Thiago stuff is crazy because a player of that quality for that amount of money is is is, is not a gamble. You know, it, it is. It's still, you know, we're still we're still going. Oh, thirty million. It's only thirty million pounds. Thirty million pounds is more money than any of us will ever see in a thousand lifetimes. But the point is, is that for what Liverpool can only now, you've got to either get young players and you've got to grow them up which is a gamble, or you've got to go and get ready-made. And we've done that a couple of times. We did that with Alisson and we did that with Van Dijk. And that was a, they were transformative players on how we how we played and we spent absolute top dollar on them. Thiago is another one of those. So he doesn't, until if we don't buy him, all of this will still feel a bit, will feel a bit odd. But again, it comes down to this thing. I think if Liverpool's model is, is sell to buy, it's not just, again, it's not just about the money. It's also about the, it's not just about the, the transfer fees. It is about wages and it is about spaces in the squad and it is about all of those things. And there's still a couple of lads there. We're still talking every every couple of days. There was something today. Harry Wilson, we're holding out for 20 for Harry Wilson. A couple of weeks ago, last week it was, we're holding out for 20 for Gujic. And, you know, that, this is one of those things, Chris, where I think there's a bit of brinksmanship going on. And I think Liverpool will probably make a, make it the, a firm decision at some point very soon. But at the moment, there's still a little bit of breathing room for them to kind of keep on to keep keep their model intact, as it were. Yeah, I, I, look, there is a part of me that wishes that they'd break that model, mm-hmm. but you know, and and go and spend the money. But you know, we we're saying sell to buy, and I think that's what it is. I think if we get a twenty million pound bid for Harry uh, Harry Wilson, then it's essentially an extra ten million on top of what you're receiving. To to then to to take Thiago now. How long is his contract? Is it four years? Is it five years? How long? Year you know when we talk about player amortisation, Swiss Ramble explains it really well. And breaking that transfer fee down over over the next four or five years, that's a hit in your accounts. You get that money in straight away from Harry Wilson. You'd be able to spend that. Is there someone of around? Would you rather spend thirty million on a twenty-five year old? Of course you would. You're not going to get anything back on Thiago in four years' time. So you're essentially just writing that money off. Yes, you're getting him. And yes, you could win t- league titles, and that's the thing. If you win those league titles, you're okay writing that money off, as it were. But there's no resale value, and we know that FSG wanted that resale value. Then they have to, might, they might have to change. And I hope they do change. I hope we do get Thiago. I want to buy him. I still think we will buy him. But these are considerations I mean, the, that we the, as fans shouldn't really give a shit about. To yeah, be honest with you, we just want to see our team do well. The value of all that, of course, is winning the titles, isn't it? Because then you get more fans across the world, and you sell more shirts. All that stuff comes with winning. That's where you get your value from spending the yeah. money. Uh, and, and, but we are in strange times because we keep getting told the transfer market is going to be depressed because of COVID-19. 
Mm-hmm. But Chelsea are going out spending fifty million and seventy million and whatever. So it it it's not really hanging that way at all. Yeah, it's the thing that gets me on all this. Uh, just as a, to, before we move on, is that we're looking at we're we're casting jealous glances at Chelsea because they're going out and they're buying players. And I like look, I really like Kai Havertz. I don't know I that do. he gets in Liverpool's team, to be honest. You know, he, he, he's not better than Bobby Firmino, so he doesn't really, he, he doesn't start for Liverpool. I look at like Ben, he spent fifty million for Ben Chilwell. That's a lot of money for for a left back who's only at, at best as good as our left back. You know, and I know, but but on this, we're looking jealously at Chelsea, and we're looking maybe jealously at a couple of other football clubs who are spending a bit of money. Why? Like why 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 cast jealous glances at any other football club? They're all looking at us with jealous eyes. They're all looking at Liverpool as the benchmark, and the only thing Liverpool have got to do is obviously secure that to the best of their ability. So that's that's a separate argument and a separate point. But they would all rather be us. They would all rather be in our position with what we've got and, and the way our club is running the structure. You know, don't tell me Roman Abramovich doesn't want a self-sustaining football club because he does, because he's desperate not to, to spend money on that club anymore. He's had his day with it. You know, and loads and Man United it's a spunking senseless money up the wall on wage budgets, as we've already discussed. They've got a goalkeeper who's five years past his best, who's probably the highest paid player in the Premier League. You know, it's it's they're, they're crazy. And and they've got lots of good things going for them in various in various other aspects. But Liverpool are just it's we've we're we're at the top of the mountain at the moment and the big fear comes will we stay on top of there and I get that there's an anxiety that comes with all of those things but I don't know I'm just I'm enjoying I'm enjoying us being there too much for me to stress too much about the the, the that's that's the thing you've got to enjoy this these are the these are the times that you've got to enjoy more than any other because five years ago six years ago it wasn't fun it was just like supporting any other football club. We are at the absolute pinnacle. And yes, you want that. You want to keep enjoying it. But don't let it sidetrack you from where you are right now. And where we are right now is one of the best sides in the world. We're Premier League champions. Yeah, there's going to be a fear. But stay in the moment. Keep enjoying it. Don't don't, don't be scared of what the future holds. What you can do is look at the bank of work that this squad and Jürgen Klopp and this team have put together. And, and where they put us. Michael Edwards. All of them. All, all of them, Paul, from the kit man. Up, up to up to the very top in FSG, whatever doesn't matter. They've all been a part of this, and it's still all the same people. Yeah. yeah. Why, no, why would you feel? Why would you fear that? You know why. I think this is, is, and I remember speaking to our mate Flav, who's a Spurs fan, and he just like, he he would secretly, he said, like in a quiet moment, he said he'd rather Spurs go just be that club that every now and again just finishes fourth and gets in the Champions League periodically because he quite enjoys that life. <coughs> it's not too pressure-filled. It actually becomes, you just, you get it some high moments, you get some good games, some good performances, you've got some good players and then getting into the Champions League is quite a cool thing and you have some good fun in the Champions League, no expectation to win it. I don't think a lot of us are cut out for Liverpool to be an elite team because it's it's um, it's been the last two seasons haven't been enjoyable. Let's let's not let on a week to week basis we haven't enjoyed it in the same way that we enjoyed it two seasons before that season when we got to the Champions League final. We had an absolute laugh that year, going to Maribor and smacking seven past them and Salah scoring all the goals. But we still like you know we had to make sure we finished in the you know in in the Champions League places. And um, it was just you know it was. It was fun. It was swashbuckler, but there were no expectations. When you know you're good enough to win the league, and you when you've got Man City breathing down your neck, it's just the last two seasons have been really. Every week has come with a load of pressure. Newsflash: This is what it is to be at the top of the pile. Uh, you know, you can, you kind of got to live with it. 
You can readjust yourself though, and and that's that's it. Like you know, two three years ago, you know, it was it was every week and minute was thinking about football. The last year, it's kind of like prefer the ninety minutes of the game and and try and like block out the rest because you're taking enjoyment away. It's why I gave up fancy footy. You know, it's taking enjoyment away from Liverpool playing. You know, and Liverpool getting a win, and you start thinking, oh, you know, why didn't Sterling knock that one in? I don't give a damn about Raheem Sterling scoring a goal in fantasy football. I care about Liverpool Football Club on the pitch. If you can readjust and reignite yourself into that, and that's what you enjoy, if that is what you enjoy, then you'll have much more fun. Because I disagree with you. Last season was brilliant from a football perspective. Yeah. But if you take, but you're absolutely spot on when you take dealing with Twitter, dealing with Facebook, and all these other things, and everything else going on around it horrible horrible suffocating experience the year before was even worse because of manchester city winning the league and all that type of stuff obviously made better by the champions league but if you just focus on the team and block out the rest of stuff that doesn't matter then you'll be absolutely sound yeah you've got it you've got to find your small moments in footy and that kind of brings us on to to pre-season we'll come we'll talk about the liverpool 7-2 win over blackpool in a moment Uh, but first i just want to draw everyone's attention uh to the fact uh that you can now become a member on our YouTube channel. It's very easy. It helps support what we do and you get extra bonuses as well. Here's a little insight. Everyone, mates here. I want to tell you all about the fantastic set of perks and benefits we have got for you guys when you sign up to be a member here on YouTube. There are three tiers available. You've got first teamer, you've got club captain, and you've got club legend that each come with their own, as I say, perks and benefits. First and foremost, of course, you've got access to custom emotes, emojis that you can use within any one of our live streams, of which there will be plenty this season you also get 10% off Redmen TV merch from our merchandise store which will be linked below also if you go for tier 2 this is where things start to get really interesting you get access to an additional 60 minute show each and every week throughout the season that is the final word show 60 minutes looking back on Liverpool's weekend game usually only available on the RedmenTV.com that is there for people who sign up at club captain level and for those at club legend level as well in addition to the aforementioned picks aforementioned the most and that wonderful final word show you also get a 20 percent discount code off Redmen TV merch on our merch store as well and of course you get to support everything we're doing on the channel as well so if you love all the free content we've given you down the years and you want a little bit more and you want to have a little bit more extra access and you want loyalty badges as well we have got you covered with a YouTube membership sign up now get more content get emotes get badges and support the channel nice one ready to pop the question the jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back. Yes, do join up to a YouTube membership here on the YouTube channel. And yeah, you get access to all those wonderful, wonderful things. If you want more content, of course, than that, then go to theredmentv.com. Anyway, let's dive into it. And, and look, speaking about the, 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 the small moments, Sam, I, I haven't watched the Blackpool game at the weekend. I did the, the match reaction and me overriding point I was trying to make on it was put, you can put transfers to one side when there's football being played. Even if it is only preseason, you can never truly make any, you, you can't come to complete final judgments on anything in preseason games. It's got to be about finding just find the little moments, little things that you're hoping to see replicated in the season. And for me, that's one of the reasons I enjoyed the Blackpool game so much is there was loads of little talking points. There was a handful of excellent performances and there was some you know, really interesting tactical questions, etc., etc. It was just a really enjoyable way to spend an hour and a half on a Saturday afternoon. What was good about it as well is that you, when you see an international break, you usually think everyone's away, don't you? But obviously the, the, the difference in this case was that we had some of the superstars at home, which meant that that game would usually be played with Harvey Elliott and the like. Mm-hmm. And anybody who wasn't selected, like Urigis and such, for, for the national team. But this time it was an opportunity for... It just shows how big our squad actually is, really. Whether you like it or not, that's a different question. But it just shows how big the squad is. And it was fantastic to to watch some of our young lads get a chance to play with some real superstars. And it's those little moments, like, like, like for instance, Harvey Elliott scored and Milner grabs him. You know, that's a big moment that, yeah. you know, it's like a proud dad grabbing his son. <laughs> I think he could be, couldn't he? But, yeah. um, but, but, it's literally but, old enough to be. That's what I mean. Uh, th- and I think moments like that are brilliant for the squad and brilliant for him. And I think I really enjoyed the game. Yeah, there was a few fluffy moments at the beginning, but even Klopp said that's what pre-season friendlies are for. But, Seeing, seeing some of the performances, I mean, Origi was Origi. Uh, I, I thought Minamino looked sharp and, you know, some of the young lads in defence looked, looked decent second half and it was just exciting. It was just refreshing to see us score loads of goals and finish the game off with an absolute bang, really. Yeah, it was just, it was, yeah, it was good fun. I, I got someone messaged me after the game, Dad, and just said, are you not concerned about the first half performance? And I do wonder sometimes, you know, I, I again, I think it feeds into this notion of anxiety as though everything's <coughs> going to come unraveled at any given point. And look, the world at the moment exacerbates all that, I think. But and I said, what the 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 seventeen year old centre half 
just getting caught in possession or the world-class goalie giving away a penalty that was possibly outside the box. Like, I, I, I mean, and Liverpool weren't amazing in the first half by any stretch. We were sat there watching it going, this is a bit, we're not really creating loads of chances. But again, it's pre-season. If you're going to do these things, do them, do them there. Well, I mean, normally pre-season, you spend a load of time mixing and matching of the whole squad of players in the club. 17-year-olds, 16-year-olds, all sorts of things, all sorts of variations. And then towards the start of the season, you get your first team on the pitch and you start to see where you're going to be going. We've jumped straight to the first team being on the pitch in pre-season. And they've been pretty awful. (laughs) 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 And it wasn't until the second half that Minamino and Cater started to show everyone how it should be done. And and I was thrilled by that because yeah. we now, to me, have added Cater and Minamino as real first team players who can challenge for a spot week in week out. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, and we've also had a look at you know some of some of the the younger players um, who did better, to be honest, in the second half than the first team lot. But that that is pre season. That's what happens in pre season. I've said this before, you, you rave over people you see in pre-season and you never, ever see them again until they turn up playing for a third division side in the FA Cup 10 years later. Yeah. Well, we literally played, we had what, was it Was, was, it, was it Jordan Williams who was playing in the, in the game? Was, we had one of our ex-lads in the midfield for them, didn't we? I thought it was really interesting because um, it, it, it's almost 10 years to the day. It was October 2010 was the last time we played Blackpool at Anfield. We got beat that day um, by Blackpool, uh, you know, just as it's, and you think about it in terms, this is what goes back to the wider issue on this as well. Like, look where, look at the state of Blackpool and look where Liverpool are now. Blackpool beat us 2-1 at Anfield 10 years ago. And here we are right here today, you know, we're, 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 we're smacking them everywhere in a pre-season game. There's all, all as with all of these things, again, it, it always, for me, it, it always favours your mentality to kind of look at the good, look at the good stuff, and try your best and not to worry about the shit. Absolutely, and you know, I, I, I think about pre-season games the same way as you, Paul. Always have done. It's about those little moments and, and stuff like that, isn't it? And for me, what I've seen from Minamino is what I, I'll take from this pre-season, and, and I, I think he's more than the Pacheco. Uh, I think he is going to translate that into into <laughs> proper games, but he just seems to have more time. Like everything was. Like you know, the way he took his goal, it's not an easy finish because he's getting closed down. But he, he doesn't rush. He just slots it in the bottom corner. And I don't know whether that's like you know the, the game sort of slowing down for him. Is that him getting used to the pace of English football now? Does he feel more comfortable with the squad around him? And look, you know, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago we were talking about Fabinho as centre half. If Bobby's going to play DM like he did in that phase of play, <laughs> drop fucking Fabinho back because Bobby's going to be the new DM mate. And he's going to be better than Kante at that type of role, you know what I mean? I mean, what a lung-busting run. But he looks fitter than he does at the start of normal seasons for me. For me, you know, like the pace that he showed in that one run as well. You know, so there's loads and loads of things that you can get excited about. If you want to flip it on the other side, I've not seen enough of Salah really showing up in this preseason. And, you know, there is a slight concern there for me over, over Mo Salah. But I think these competitive guys, and, and Salah is one of those, they'll just turn it on. 
when the games matter. And I think he's one of those players. And you know, so I'm not I'm not overly concerned with that. And I like the way that we've we've started to look at this four two three one a little bit as well in preseason. Get another string to the bow. I think we'll very much start four three three at the week. So you know, put your money on a four two three one because I've said that now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, there's there's loads of stuff to take from this preseason. And um, to to carry in, and I think I think we're going to be really good this season. Yeah, I I I, I do too. And, but we needed that, and I think we needed that. Honestly, like that that game, I think there's just been this like creeping death, you know, come, coming up on all of us from all angles and social media, and it, you know, because Liverpool didn't win the, the charity shield, um, and and then you just get this, and because the transfer stuff is, it feels like it's on top, etc. It was right, Sam. You know, it, it was nice to remind ourselves that we have got a we have good got a good squad, and I don't expect to see loads of Harvey Elliott this season, but I think he's a good example of that. Is that you know Liverpool probably do need another another body or two in terms of lads who can come in and do it in the here and now. But when you see Harvey Elliott come on and influence that, I mean, look, it's a tired Blackpool side. All these normal caveats, again, let's just focus on the positive stuff because he's our player. No reason not to get excited about him. He, I, I liked, he looked really, he looked gnarlier, I think. You know, like, he, he looked like he's a lad who's been training with James Milner for a year. You like and you know there was times when he was he was putting slides in in like the left back position and and I don't expect that from Harvey Elliott but I know and he probably knows quite clearly now you can have all the touch and the skill in the world but if you can't put if you can't put a shift in you're just not going to get a game for this Liverpool team and that's why for me I'm a huge fan of keeping the lads who who, who the club think are going to be superstars at the club yeah because you then understand week in week out the intensity that's expected. And, and like you said earlier, one of you said earlier, by now, usually under-23s are in their own pre-season uh, and it's the first team now playing a couple of games before the season starts. You know, the fact that Elliot's played in that game and scored and he now knows we've got he's probably got to start in him at um, Lincoln or Black, Bradford, sorry, whoever it is that wins that game against mm-hmm. similar standard than we played the other day. That then shows Klopp, along with the other lads, that he can deliver in that game as well. So it's all beneficial. I think there's massive opportunities for the young lads this year because there's going to be more injuries and there's going to be more games. So where you never might have saw Harvey Elliott probably in a Premier League game this year, you might do because of the nature of the season and with the international breaks and stuff like that as well. So I think for those young players, that game was really important for them and I think they all did themselves justice. Yeah, Chris? I thought that really interesting, you, you sort of touched on it briefly before, Paul, about Milner going over to Harvey Elliott. and There's, there's a sort of... And with Leeds coming up and Leeds being our first game, there's a sort of symmetry, I don't know, like, you know, almost with Milner coming through at 16, 17 and getting relegated with Leeds. It's not symmetry because it's not the same, but it's very much like, look, you know, you can come into this side, look how lucky you are. You're a 16, 17-year-old kid coming into the Premier League champions. You've got to take the most of this. And I think about Harvey Elliott and what Milner was when he was breaking through. Because Harvey Elliott's blessed with incredible technical ability, but he's not the fastest winger that you've ever seen in your life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for someone like James Milner, who was very, very similar in his early days, um, you know, what a role model Harvey Elliott's got there in James Milner. I just wonder whether he's talking him through this early part of his career and giving him advice and you know does that develop Harvey quicker than James Milner developed and, yeah. and, and where will we ultimately see the finished product with Harvey Elliott because of this time with, with James Milner it makes you wonder actually when you look at the players and why I think it's been so essential that we've kept Milner around because I it, weirdly the older Milner gets 
the better the role model he becomes, and not, not just in a standaway, because that, that you might go obviously because he's just accrued more experience. But the older he gets, the clo- and the closer he gets to the end of his career, the less he should be able to do this. And so when you've got these young bucks coming up like Javier, and he's there and he's got the mad haircuts, and he you know and he and he's he, you know he's very active on on Instagram and all this kind of stuff. And he, you know he he could be. Harvey Elliott could be a massive gobshite quite easily, and I don't know whether he is or isn't. No, no, you know what I mean. Like you know, you but you see, look at like uh, look at the Foden and Greenwood stuff. You know, like these young lads, young footballers can get carried away very quickly. But you know, you're walking into training, and there's James Milner, who is almost a decade older than you, two decades, Christ, two decades, you know, yeah. yeah, two decades older than you, and he's still and he and he's just battering you in training every week, and he's coming in and he's and he but he and he or he's geeing you up and he's having a laugh with you, like going, come on, kids. Keep up you know he's he's setting a benchmark that's that's that, you know where you look at the value to that and when you look at Liverpool's players and Henderson does it as well and you know but James Milner shouldn't he should be you know we should be putting Milner out of pasture but instead he's just there and he's absolutely absolutely essential I, I love it uh, one player I want to discuss we've not I've not really seen anyone discuss elsewhere dad is a uh, Keanu Hoover I, you know we've we've Obviously, Nico Williams had to start the other week with Trent being injured. Trent's gone and got a, a few minutes under his belt for England, which I think is very good. But Keanu Hoover's kind of got been a bit forgotten about because we've been lauding Nico so much, and I just thought he put in a really, really solid up and down right back it, performance. It's the first game I've seen Hoover play where I hardly noticed him. Yeah, normally he stands out because of the ability the guy's got you know i've watched him for the under 23s or whatever whatever some of the younger teams and he always looks terrific he, he beats people you know he drops his shoulder and goes he's got pace you know he can play full back or centre back or whatever he was just gave a solid performance as if he's thought you know i've got to knuckle down to this now because yeah. if i want to break into this side I've got people ahead of me who are, who are, you know, like Nico Williams, who who are getting the the nod ahead of me, and um, and you've got, the, you know, you've got um, the new French lad coming in a centre back, and, mm. and Hoover's still being shoved out to play right back. So, you know, I think um, he is one who's going to make it. I think because he's so talented. Yeah. Um, and he's, I mean, like Harvey Elliott, he's probably still growing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He's got, he's got, he's got plenty, plenty to go. When you look at like Cometio, who does look about twenty six years old because he's so big. Literally, hope that Harvey Elliott is still growing. Yes, I really would like yeah. him to be a couple of foot taller. Yeah, if he could just get all of that would help. That would help big time. But the Cometio stuff, in just you know, I think you can see with with young centre-halves, and I do wonder because Cometio looked a bit leggy in that game, and I just wonder whether that's it. Because I was wondering whether he's a bit slow, but he, obviously lads are still doing heavy training sessions as well, Chris. But I think you've got an instance there where I don't think it. I think we could still do with another centre-half. Matip coming back is a massive is a massive boost. It's a, it's a great time for him to just start to make himself available again, but. I think you've got. I, you can see from pre-season the managers kind of going Cometio and Vandenberg. I've got one space as the young, you know, as the young centre half in this, and it's between the two of you to battle it out. And Vandenberg looked. I mean, again, it's the later stages of the game when it's a bit less competitive, but he looked cool. You know, get a get a goal and Cometio. He, look, he does make the mistake leading up to the goal, but I thought his passing was it was excellent throughout the match. He looked. He neither of those lads looked like seventeen-year-old rookies. 
No, and and that and that's it. And I think we had the same conversation last season actually, and, and we probably before before like you know the window ended about whether we'd sell a four centre half. And you know I think a lot of us were, were were very much thinking we'd keep lovering around. This is the beginning of last season, by the way, um, because they're just a little too young to trust. Now it's a year on, now and every and the world's changed. I, I still think personally they're a little too young to trust, but. If it's a case of, and I think to replace Lovren, you probably need to spend 20 million quid on a centre-half. If it's a case of spending 20 million quid on a lad who's not going to break into your side when you've got these two young lads who maybe in a year's time are the the fourth-choice centre-half, I think it's a gamble that right now Liverpool aren't willing to take. Um, and, and and throw Keanu Hoover into that mix as well. And, and just for me on, on Keanu Hoover... I love his passion. I love his crossing more than anything. It's like, you know, the way, you know, Trent's got everything when he plays the ball in. Nico's got a, an incredibly whipped ball in. For me, Hoover just picks out his man really, really well. And I, I, it's just, it's a really underrated attribute when you're a crosser of the ball, just not hitting it into an area like hitting your man. And I, I really like Hoover in that right-back position, but I do think he could do a centre-half position as well. But yeah, I think I think one of those three is going to be our 4 3 centre-half and it might change throughout the season, depending on appearances for the under-23s, to be honest. I don't think it's as nailed on as it's going to be you. Keeps them hungry, doesn't it? Which I think we'll, is very. We go vital. back to the Fabinho bit as well. You slotting in a centre back if need be. Yeah. So it doesn't look like they'll buy, they'll spend any money on centre backs, as Chris said. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've got a super chat coming from Stephen Somerville. Um, Nine ninety nine. Thank you very much, Stephen. Uh, wow. so there are rival fans already ripping into Liverpool with not getting any other deals done apart from Simicast. I mean, which is amazing because, like, well, talk about throwing pebbles at like a statue to try and <laughs> knock it down. Um, I hope it drives us forward to win the league again and shut them up for good. Uh, this is the thing for me. I think this is a this is a mentality. That affects fans. I don't think. I don't think whether Liverpool do and do not do deals has as as impact on the Liverpool squad. I think. Look, I think if you get a world class player in, it has a positive impact, provided they're the right mentality, you know, and they've got the right hunger and all that kind of stuff. That does. But I think this is very much a concern for for us. And because, and it, I think Stevens put it really right there, Sam. Rival fans can get in the bin. I'm not asked. <laughs> you know, like, I just genuinely, I don't matter. Like, if, if if major football analysts are coming out and saying there's a problem at Liverpool, that's mm. fine. If you can see the cracks showing from, if Klopp's starting to get agitated and all that kind of stuff, their problems. But rival fans, like I, I've been doing this for years. I've you know spent years trying to find ways to just claw Manchester United down to me level to to find something to get some grip into them. So like when they signed Veron and he was shit. Like, that was amazing. But ultimately, Man United probably still won four titles out of six in the years around that. You know, so, yeah, I wouldn't, I personally wouldn't be too arsed about whether rival fans think we're, think we're a laugh in the transfer market. No, and that's it. And I think you've got to separate the issues here. Like, I'm sure all of us are the same mindset. I don't care necessarily what other teams are doing. If I raise concerns about transfers, it's purely based on my own personal opinion on where we are. It's not about Havertz or Chelsea, although I'd love them, but it's not about that. It's about us. If I feel that actually looking at the amounts of games, it's got nothing to do with other other clubs. So you're right, rival fans can can stick it. I think also, like if you look at all the spots, United, Jemba Jemba, I'm sure he's got a, a, a title winner's medal. You know, <laughs> yeah. that's what happens. You know what I mean? We're, we're, we've got a mentality of winning leagues now. So we're already one up when we start the season uh, 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 across all of them. 
Um, in, term, in terms of the, the centre-back situation, I'm really on board with, with what we're doing. I, I know we, we had a big discussion the week with Steve, didn't we? And I think it's great. And, I, you know, I, I completely agree with him in some respects as well. But I actually like the fact that, listen, if we block these kids' uh, pathway, it'll, it'll never happen for them. There's got to be a line. There's got to be a potential for them to move through. So I'm happy with not buying a centre-half. There's a bravery that, that, that you can lose, I think, when you're at the top. And you're desperately trying to cling on to the top. I mean, look at look at what look what Alex Ferguson did to that last Man United side. He, 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 he leveraged it short term to get one more title in the bag. Like Robin Van Persie was not long term planning for Manchester United. It was short term thinking, but it, it yielded short term results. And I think you do need a little bit of that, which is again why Thiago for me is such a such an obvious buy. But it, it takes it does take bravery to continue to blood young lads. I think you've got a lot more scope to do that when you're on your way up again. Look at Chelsea. Like Frank Lampard had a free hit last season to just play all their young lads, and he could have got away. They could have finished tenth last season, and their fans would have been completely forgiven of it. Um, but all of a sudden, when you when the pressure's on, like again, Chris, we talk about all the time, Kenny Dalglish comes in as Liverpool manager in January and plays Jack Robinson and John Flanagan, and then the the next season starts, and who do we play at right back when we've got injuries? Martin Scale. Yeah. Because there's a world of difference when you've got some, when you've got something to lose, and he had the job to lose at that time as well, didn't he? And 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 that's you know Chelsea, I think, have bought really well. Whether that reflects itself in the side this season, I'm not 100 percent sure, but I think long term they will be proved good signings. Now on the short term of this season, I'm not sure they they, they fully work, but he's going to get away from that youth that got them there certainly, and, and maybe he's right too. I don't know. Maybe he knows the limitations. I don't know of that side, but you know when you look at Liverpool and you look at what they're doing this season, and you know I think let, let's take your mind back everybody two seasons ago when when Manchester City had just racked up 198 points or whatever it was across two years, the best Premier League side that had ever been, and Liverpool didn't sign anybody in the summer, and that was the year over we were done we were dusted we peaked we could never possibly compete with this Manchester City side because we bought Sepp Vandenberg yeah. um, but we smashed them all upside their face and um, put so much distance between them that we didn't even need to restart a league and yet somehow the same fears are being played out across social media again this season and somehow Liverpool have gone backwards when a game hasn't been played yeah. No, exactly. Yeah. No, exactly. <laughs> Look, it, it is. It is what it is, isn't it? And I, 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 I think it comes from this notion. I think people try to make it like there's a split, like there's a split in the fan base, as though there's somehow some people who don't want Liverpool to sign good players. Nobody doesn't want Liverpool to sign good players. Wrap your heads around that. Um, everyone wants Liverpool to sign everyone and get their boss. But also, there's time. I always say there's a time to man the barricades. And that we've had that. We know what that looks like when you get out there and you get on the streets and it's time to protest. When Liverpool are reigning league and world champions is not the time. Now you could argue like you, you you've been proactive and all this, but again, that's a lot of like I think that's a lot of living in the future and living too much in the future. Um, for now, I think there's a there's a degree of leeway that's probably fine to allow. And look, that I mean, Dad, all of this stems from this is that. A couple of wins, a couple of wins under the belt, and we won't be talking about this, but we're in the absence of football, and when Liverpool haven't just really, really won a game well, um, these things always kind of creep into the conversation. You know, what, what, what's annoying in a way is, or annoying for me, is that the most powerful people in football at the moment are the television companies. They dictate everything. They dictate when we play, what time we play, what night we play. 
we're suddenly in a situation where fans have proved how important they are to this game of football. Yeah. Without us, the game is not the same. And we should really be spending our time using this to get what we want from, from the situation. We hmm. should be demanding that we get better times. So we shouldn't be going to Southampton at 8 o'clock on a Monday night. You know, we shouldn't be going playing a cup final on a Sunday when we can't get a train back. And now that we've, we're in a situation where our power is evident, that's what we should be moaning about on social yeah. media. Not whether you've signed someone you know, for your football team, we've just won everything on the planet. You know, it's ridiculous. Yeah, no, I agree. You said that Liverpool fans with Spirit of Shankly and all that are probably been much more proactive than a lot of fans in, in yeah. doing. And that's that. That's the thing about about it is that if there's if there's issues at the football club, there's 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 like really well thought out, well managed institutions that are put in place to kind of sit on the watchtower and keep an eye on this kind of stuff. Um, so there is a degree to which we're not like a normal football club. You can kind of take a breather and just focus on what's in front of you. And I I would say you know again if you if you choose to if you look at anything for long enough you can look at the greatest artistic masterpiece on the planet but if you look at it long enough you'll find mistakes within it you'll find flaws and imperfections whereas sometimes it's better to take a bit of a step back and just look at the whole or or if you want to go and focus on the bits that you know good depends what you're kind of looking to get out of it as far as i'm concerned and if you're looking for positives there's been there's there's more in this liverpool side than this football club than there's been in, in like you know I'm 30. What are we now, Chris? 37. You know, this is this is as good as it's ever been in our time as as fans. And if you're younger than us, it's that's that's definitely true. Um, it's only less true if you're a bit if you're a bit older than what have you. So yeah, it's kind of it is what it is. Roll with the punches. I'm excited for the new season. I really, I really genuinely am. I, not, I mean, not in the way that I would have, I was last year because I'm just gutted that I'm not there. It's not the same. But in terms of watching Liverpool play again. I, we should be going into this. We should, Sam, be going into this season relatively anxiety-free because, again, think about the matter. Think about some of the awful teams that we've got into seasons with previously, and this doesn't even this this side like the, the, some of the side like the Hodgson side, etc. Just not fit to lace this team's this team's boots. Yeah, and we're and we're the benchmark now, aren't we? We're the team that everyone's going to be scared of. You know, even to an extent, maybe even Man City now they're not getting messy. Ha ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> Get back in your box, mate. Uh, uh, so, so, yeah, no, we are. We, everyone will be scared of us. Leeds fans will be looking forward to the occasion on Saturday. They're not expecting to beat us, let's be honest. I, I'm with you, mate. I, it, it's really bizarre because I'm fortunate enough to have access to a season ticket. So, I, it would have been the first game back on Saturday and, and, and you know, all of that comes with it. You know, meet, seeing all the faces you see, but unfortunately, we can't do that. Um, so, it is a little bit less sort of, you know, I'm looking forward to it, but it's still competitive football, and I'm really, really looking forward to the normal kickoff times as well. And um, we were touching upon it before we start started the show, and I'm, I like three o'clock kickoffs. I like you know Saturdays and Sundays, and then a week off or Champions League in the week. I don't like this sporadic Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, on again, again. It's just insane. I like that the culture of what football brings to your weekend. You know, whether you're at the match or not, it's it's something to look forward to. You might put a little bet on. Hopefully on the uh, our, our wonderful sponsors, or you know you might just be you might have your own game of football and you flick on the results afterwards. The banter with your friends, you support other clubs. I think the whole league needs that normality back. And as a Liverpool fan, I just can't wait to get those first three points on the board and just put us right back where we've been for the last. What, how was it? Two years nearly now. We've been top of the league. I've, I've run out of uh, 
I can't remember how long back when we were second years ago, innit? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, I just want to, um, before we wrap up on this, I, I, I got it off, so I think it's quite an interesting quiz question to end, end the podcast on. But anyone want to have a stab at the Liverpool start and 11 and bench for that Blackpool game 10 years ago? Um, who was in goal, Chris? Uh, I'd, I'd rather not have a stab at this, actually, Paul. Thank you. <laughs> Dad? Pepe Reina, well done, Sam. Yeah, go on. Any any shouts for who was in the back four, Dad? Ten years ago. Mm. Martin Kelly. Skirtle. Skirtle was playing this game. He was playing this game at right back. Carragher and Aga? Carragher, correct. Nope, not Aga. Danny Wilson. Ooh. Hodgson is the Hodgson is the manager. Kyriakos. Sammy Hippier has left the season Joe, before. Sotirios Kiriakos. Yeah, and left back. Um, Let's go Glenn Johnson yes, was playing he, out of position. Glenn Johnson was playing oh, wow. left back. Nailed oh, nailed. Nailed it. Gerard, um, was playing, wasn't he? Gerard was playing in midfield alongside two signings for that from that from that era. The, the bald fella who wasn't bald. Yeah, it went to Chelsea. Paul Morales and Poulsen. Christian Poulsen, yes. And then a front, well, again, we'll call it, let's call it a front three for the sake of argument. Um, Joe, Joe Cole. Joe Cole. Just signed. I think he just, uh, Arsenal was his debut the, the, the yeah, week right, before yeah. he scored or something, or got sent off or they something. Sent off, sent yeah. Off, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Number nine. Torres. Fernando Torres. He play, yeah. Jeez. Right wing. Babble. Dirk. Dirk. Dirk out. Now, this is where it gets interesting. <laughs> Substitute bench. Backup goalie. Jones. Brad Jones. Um, backup right back. His name's come out already. Kelly. Martin Kelly. Um, attacking midfielder slash winger. Number uh, 17. Maxi. Maxi Rodriguez. Wow. Why wasn't he starting? Jay Spearing's got to be in there, hasn't he, somewhere? Jay Spearing is on nice. there. Another, yeah. another DM. Um, Lucas. Lucas Lever. Yeah, and then uh, two forwards. Yeah, wait, come on. Pools was playing, lad. Why would Lucas ever make the side when Pools was in there? <laughs> yeah. A wide forward and a centre forward. And, uh, who was the lad who, the centre forward would be the lad who uh, Benitez always used to bring on? Not oh. Nathan Eccleston, though. And Gog. And Gog, yeah. And the last one, we signed him on a free transfer. He was name-checked in Neighbours, I believe. Oh, God. Um, Shares the name with a team we've twice played in a European Cup final. What? Roma? Milan. Milan Paris. Fantastic. The goal scorer that day for us was Sotirios Kiriakos. Um, brilliant. There you go. If that, give you all a little bit of perspective ahead of the new season. Uh, look, thanks very much for joining us on the podcast. Whether you got this in your podcasting app, if you are there, give it a five star review. If you're on YouTube, drop a like on it as well. And thank you once again to Odds Check. If you want to get involved with that app, you have to be 18 plus. You do have to make sure that you are responsible in using it. Uh, but yes, go to it. The 
link will be in the description underneath. Thank you very much to them. Uh, and more from me on the season countdowns over on our social media, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. I've done a, a handful of videos just looking at various aspects of Liverpool's season ahead of the new campaign uh, with Odds Checker. So do go and check those out as well. Guys, thank you very much. Thank you very much for those of you who joined us live for the podcast. We'll be back with another Red Men podcast next week. Ta -da. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.